You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to Smart Sex, Smart Love. We're talking about sex goes beyond the taboos and talking about love goes beyond the honeymoon. I'm Dr. Joe Court. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, everyone. Today, the show is about minor attracted adults. This week, my guest is Dr. James Cantor, and we'll be looking at the controversial community of minor attracted adults. What do people mean by minor attracted adults? That's also known as MAPS. James says pedophilia is not a synonym for child molestation, but how do we get the terminology of MAPS right? James is a clinical psychologist and sexual behavior scientist studying the nature and causes of sexual interests. He and his team have used a a range of neuroscientific techniques to examine pedophilia and its potential causes. Their results show having a sexual interest in children is not a result of suffering sexual abuse in one's own childhood, as generally believed, but a characteristic of neurological origin. Let's look more closely at this. Welcome, James. Hi, happy to be here. Yeah, I'm happy to be here too. I I consider you to be one of the smartest people in this field, and it was so nice to meet you this summer in person. Finally, well, no, actually, I met you before that at that um, Star uh, Sex Therapy Conference. Yeah, that's right, and uh, it was a pleasure. And your flattery is too kind. <laughs> well, I mean it. I th- I just think you have a lot of good things to say. So, can you tell people because they're going to hear this minor attracted adults? What does that mean? Uh I personally am not actually a fan uh, of that term. That's mostly a sociopolitical term. I understand why it's starting to get uh, used, but I'm a scientist. I study, you know, the hardcore. I study pedophilia, the hardcore, genuine. These people appear to be born with it, uh, with it. They are genuinely attracted to children, the way that the rest of us are attracted to uh, to adults. Now, uh, in science, we, you know, of course, try as best as we can to use terms as precise as we can. So uh, people sooner or later had to decide, well, there needs to be some cutoff. So we're talking about, you know, is this somebody who just likes, you know, young looking people, you know, in, in their teens, which is perfectly typical, or uh, or are they interested in an age group, you know, uh, under 10 years old, which is truly problematic. Mm-hmm. We use the word pedophilia in science very specifically to be the sexual preference, not just any flighting occasional thing, but the preference for prepubescent, again, you know, under age 10, generally, uh, children. There do exist men, however, there's a range. Some men find that they're interested in uh, uh, children older than that, you know, pubescent age children, uh, kids who are showing, uh, uh, girls, for example, who are showing breast buds but don't yet have fully developed breasts. Uh, they're more attracted to uh, people who have wispy, downy beginnings of pubic hair, but not full adult, uh, adult coarse pubic hair. Uh, we would call those people now HEBA files. Now, of course, from society's point of view, that's not an appreciable difference. You know, whether you're attracted to eight-year-olds or 12-year-olds, it's a problem. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's, that's exactly true. But as I say, in science, we try to divide and be as precise as possible. Now, uh, it, it almost became a, 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 a hobby inside sex research. People started coming up with terms to describe just about everything. We even have the word uh, ephebophilia to describe people who are attracted to, you know, mid-teens, age, ages 15 or 16. Uh, and then the technical term we, uh, we use for, uh, well, people say adult, uh, adultophilia, 
but the correct term is actually teleophilia. You know, attracted to uh, adults. You know, generally ages at uh, seventeen or, uh, and older. Now, the reason that I don't like the uh, the term minor attracted person, which is what a lot of spokespeople use, is a minor is anyone under eighteen. Well, a seventeen-year-old is a minor. A sixteen-year-old is a minor. But you know, being attracted to a lot of sixteen or seventeen-year-olds is is perfectly, perfectly typical. Mm-hmm. So, to me, the the phrase is a bit of a euphemism mm-hmm. for you know when when we're talking about the difficult ones, when we're talking about you know potential uh, real child molestation on the line, we're talking about pedophilia and hebophilia. So, you know, attracted to minors, you know, includes that, but it also includes some plain vanilla stuff that, as I say, to me is a bit of a euphemism. I really appreciate you saying that and breaking this down, too, so that people can see these differences. Because when people think of – when they think of people um, being sexual with children, they only think of pedophilia. They don't think of all these nuances, and this is important. Yes, absolutely. This kind of thing happens in a range, and, you know, it becomes more and more problematic the younger we go, of course, but we can't, but it's not black and white either. There are shades of gray, and there are places where uh, we need to make, you know, decisions about where where the line is, but not every single case is exactly the same as the worst possible case that we can think of. The other common misconception uh, uh, on the flip side, uh, and uh, again, I understand why uh, 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 people want to avoid the word pedophilia, is that there is a misconception too extreme on the other end. People uh, often mistake the word pedophilia to be a synonym for child molestation, and it's not. As a matter of fact, the number one lesson that I try to give any audience, and I speak about this a lot, is that pedophilia is not a synonym for child molestation. Pedophilia is the actual sexual interest pattern, regardless of whether the person ever acts on it or not. On the flip side, child molestation is actually the hands-on you know, crime that harms the kid. But not every child molester is actually a pedophile. In fact, the majority of child molesters are not pedophiles. Most of them actually prefer adults as sexual contacts, but use a kid kind of as a surrogate uh, uh, because the kid is a manipulable or, or, or available. Mm. That's the most common pattern in, for example, uh, incest offenses, that uh, most perpetrators of incest offenses are actually more attracted to adults than children, but they use the kid, because, as I say, as a surrogate because the kid was, uh, was available. So there are child molesters who are not pedophiles. There are pedophiles who are not child molesters. Child molestation is a choice, but nobody picks pedophilia. Nobody decides to be sexually interested in children any more than the rest of us decided to be sexually interested in whatever it is that uh, they're interested uh, in. The people we really need uh, uh, to uh, uh, to try to help are the people who, as I said, were ca- saddled with a sexual interest pattern they did not pick and cannot change. And, you know, these people are vilified even though they are doing exactly what we would want them to do, live a celibate life. I'm telling you, this is so important. And for me, I just want to just say that having this conversation is so freeing and so uh, scary at the same time, freeing in that it's information that we need. Scary because growing up as a gay male, I always worried that people would think – because we've been equated to pedophiles, right? Every time somebody yes. thinks of homosexuality, they well, they must want to harm children. Is the, it's old-fashioned, but it's still in the in the air. People still think this. 
And I had a Twitter follower two years ago, maybe three years ago, and I almost deleted him because he was, uh, he had said he was a pedophile on his, but he said, please read my salon column, column before you delete me, which on his Twitter. So I read this article and he said exactly what you, it was all about. I'm a pedophile. I'm attracted to children, but I don't act on it. I had never seen that distinction and it made me rethink this whole thing, just like you're doing. What, why did homosexuality become synonymous with pedophilia in our culture? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I only ha- my hunch is that really uh, the way the world at that time thought was not to you know do what we scientists and try to you know finally describe you know these people are into this these people are into that these people are into that you know and see sev- and see sexual diversity. Uh, instead, people just saw regular everyday heterosexual man versus everything else. You were just normal or not normal. That's that range of abnormal, type of abnormal. They were just different kinds of abnormal. It's like a, uh, you, the bone is either broken or not. Exactly where it's broken is is a detail. The problem is the broken bone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think part of it was really just a, uh, oversimplified thinking. Uh, and another, again, I don't want to say that it's more than a hunch, but a hunch that I've often had is that a lot of now, think from young men's experiences growing up, you know, often sex-segregated areas, often in religious areas and so on, where sexual abuse does happen, the abuser was always male. From the point of view of the male victim, the perpetrator was male. This was not, from the point of view of the you know, youth, this was not a crime of pedophilia. This was not a crime of child molestation. This was a crime of homosexuality. Mm. From you know, from the eyes of the victim, the perpetrator was just oh, into into boys, into men. That the that the that the youth was part of the factor was was the side effect. So I think a lot of the people, because they were abused by men, kind of attribute the abuse to the maleness to from their points of view to the homosexuality of the perpetrator rather than to the pedophilia of the perpetrator. So I think a lot of it, uh, so I've often had a hunch that that's, that that's where it came from, that that's where it came from. People were exposed to homosexuality via homosexual abuse, if I can use that term, rather than uh, via, you know, uh, happy, healthy homosexuals, again, recognizing that that was a different thing in yeah. the 20th century than, than it is now. I had a client say to me once, I, my brother tried to queer me, right? So from his point of view, it was a, it was a gay act and it wasn't about pedophilia or child molestation. So I agree with that. That makes total sense. Yeah. Although I would also add, you know, between, you know, similar age boys or, or youth, again, that kind of sex play is perfectly, perfectly typical. And it's not a sign of, you know, plain vanilla homosexuality either. I agree. Totally agree. I'm so glad you added that. I also read something recently and I don't know, we have could talk about this now, but um, that the church, I don't know where I read this, but it made sense to me that the church um, looked at every uh, male victimization of a child as homosexuality to avoid uh, being looked at and investigated for pedophilia that was happening right in the church. So we were scapegoated in some ways. I believe that. Yes, I think that happened a lot. I, I think that it, uh, uh, I think that uh, taking, again, the, 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 subtly acceptable version or the more socially acceptable version, of course, makes the wisest PR for uh, for any group. Yes. But I think the thing that has made uh, uh, religious institutions, especially the Catholic Church, such a, I don't know, I'm going to use the word anyway, hotbed mm. 
for this kind of problem is exactly because of its celibacy rules. If somebody is gay or a pedophile or really when you get right down to it, not into adult women and not likely to get married and have kids, becoming a priest is a really good cover. Yes. A hundred percent agree. They just use it so that people around them stop asking, where's your wife and girlfriend? Why aren't you married and where are your kids? It's a socially acceptable way to just circulate in society, you know, with everybody knowing how how to treat you socially. Yeah. So I think that's a draw for closeted gay men and for pedophiles. Yes. Each for their own, you know, and again, it starts getting slippery, and this is where I start playing my openly gay free card, you know, as an openly gay man myself. I think that there exist closeted gay men who are drawn to it for the same reason that pedophiles are, but they are not at all overlapping uh, populations. They're just both looking for a socially acceptable cover for uh, what they see as socially unacceptable sexual attraction pattern that's, you know, again, getting in the way of getting married and having kids. Very well stated. You you once tweeted that you thought we should add P, meaning pedophilia, to GLBT, saying that otherwise uh, would be to defy our own principles. What did you mean by that? Yes, that's probably one of the most uh, uh, re-retweeted things that I uh, that, <laughs> that, uh, that keeps getting circulated. All right. But nobody has actually taken me up on the question. Good. Everybody reflexively saying, uh, "Oh, wow, that's really you know kind of far, but that's really kind of pushy." And others saying, "Oh my God, no, that's going to backfire." Or you know, mm-hmm. people try to interpret uh, uh, what it means, but nobody actually act uh, responds to the active part of the questions. Enunciate the principles. That require us as a society, as a society, to uh, recognize the civil rights of LGBTQQQ2TTII. <laughs> yep. Articulate that and apply that rule to pedophilia. Well, the basic rule it, uh, for any of these is: do what you want as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. Well, okay, that would include pedophilia. Well, some people, oh, no, 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 that's not what puts you in. What puts you in, uh, pedophilia is different because enacting it would hurt somebody. No, 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 no. Being in that list doesn't mean you get to enact every fantasy of yours. Let's look at BDSM. We're just talking about a, a, a range of, uh, uh, of interests. Oh, and asexuality is, of course, reflecting mm-hmm. no behavior at all. Mm-hmm. The thing that de- uh, uh, that ultimately demands anybody get uh, getting in that list is to say you can do what you want so long as it dirt doesn't hurt anybody. For some people, that's relatively broad. The gay community probably the broadest. For some people, that's relatively narrow. And for some people, unfortunately, that is zero. That is nothing in the real world. Their lives must exist. Uh, their sex lives must exist as uh, as fantasy lives. Now, of course, there also exist other people with other sexual interest patterns that can't be expressed, either because it would harm somebody else or because it's just physically not possible. There are people with, uh, for example, transformation fetishes. Uh, it's kind of like bestiality in reverse. They want to be the animal. They're sexually interested in, in the idea of, uh, of, of being in some non-human form. Uh, there are people who are sexually interested in uh, uh, being a uh, uh, being an amputee. We call that apotemnophilia. As I say, some of these can be expressed, some of them not. But that's not what puts somebody in the civil rights list. You know, you you kind of start with civil rights, you know, and we draw the limit at where something is harmful. Well, a non a, a non acting out a pedophile who is not you know acting on his sexual interests belong in that list. 
exactly because it's up to him and the rest of us to destigmatize these and permit people to do. Uh, the only rule that works is do what you want as long as it doesn't harm anybody else. The only other one just kind of boils down to exactly the same problem that our early gay, you know, gay rights had, declaration of normal. Well, you know, in science, there's no such thing as normal. It's mm -hmm. always, you know, just this compared to that, this fits in whatever range, and we know what happens if your scores are here. We know what happens. To say normal is to have some uh, 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 some judgment which is necessarily subjective. If we reject pedophilia, we're just playing a popularity contest. And that, 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 well, if we do that, we're back to, well, then gays shouldn't have gotten their rights in the first place because they weren't popular then. Either we, you know, start with an actual articulation of what we believe, you know, civil rights are, and we apply it to pedophilia like everybody else, or we're ultimately hypocrites. Mm -hmm. We're just kind of saying, I don't want that other stigmatized group associated with me because they make me look bad. Yeah, and, and that, no, I, I, I can't do that. If I have to absorb a little bit of somebody else's stigma for a better society, I'll do that. I like what you're saying. I do. I, I don't disagree with a word, but I have to say when my sister started having kids in 1997, she had a boy and I was very involved in all the kids' lives and would take them to preschool. And, you know, uh, there would be storytelling time and Jacob wanted to sit on my lap, which no big deal. He's my nephew. He sat on my lap. I'll never forget this. And I wasn't out in this. Uh, my sister lives in a suburb. I was just I decided because of being gay and because of people thinking of pedophilia, because there were boys in the class, I was not going to come out. And so when Jacob sat on my lap, now little Johnny said, Jojo, can I sit on your lap? And I was freaked out. And I let little Johnny sit on my lap, but I, I put my hands in the air because I didn't want any mother to think that my hands were anywhere but but not on their kid. And I remember a mother whispering in my ear saying, we all know you're gay. Put your hands down. Nobody thinks you're going to harm our children. I had to hear that. And so I think that's maybe why people get afraid of having the P included because I remember arguments even when I was just coming out in the 70s and 80s where people would say, well, um, the man-boy love association, right? NAMBLA or whatever it was called, that whole yeah. thing. They kept equating us with this whole interest in boys. I think that's why, don't you? Uh I think two things are going on. Uh, one, uh, uh, listening to, to your description in the classroom, and my head would have gone in exactly the same direction. Mm -hmm. But if I try to imagine if I were a regular everyday straight guy, I can e pretty easily imagine that the same thoughts would have gone yes. through my head. Yes. I mean, there's nothing about being openly gay that, you know, especially these days, people are so hyper aware, or, you know, to the point of uh, the pendulum has gone a bit too far the other way. It's gotten a bit histrionic. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, that that I think any uh, adult male would and would and with a certain amount of wisdom to that you know want witnesses people around wanting uh, these are those days wanting to have you know be seen and hands in the air I, I I'm not so sure that's a gay thing although I again also understand that you know having come from the uh, uh, having experienced the stigma of the the, the uh, incorrect parts of the association. Uh, so as I say, I, I, I'm not so. Sure. I, I think that's a male thing mm -hmm. for anybody who these days is pretty alert to what's uh, to what's going on. I'm not as convinced that that's a uh, that that's a gay thing. Having said that, I forgot the second part of what you said. Uh, well, don't you then? Don't you? I guess I was just saying it's understandable to me. I wondered if it was to you why people are so um, disinterested in adding the P because of those reasons. Oh. Uh... 
Yeah, I, I think it's general stigma. I don't know if it's a, a person to person. Uh, people now and then I do hear about uh, uh, like that old group, the, the uh, Man Boy Love Association, now, yeah. as you said. Uh, and there's a more recent one called, uh, which is a bit cagey, called uh, Before You Act. Uh, now, these are groups that now they are relatively open about their, you know, being genuinely sexually interested in children of various ranges. Uh, where the where NAMBLA, uh, uh, the National Association, Man Boy Love Association, I think that was it. I think that's where the NA in the NAMBLA came from. Uh, uh, they were uh, relatively open that they wanted the age of consent lowered. And, you know, this was in the days when the age of consent was 14. Mm. In most jurisdictions now, it's been raised to uh, uh, to 16. Uh, Before You Act is uh, a little bit, is more cagey about what they're uh, uh, asking for. So they're not even, they won't even come out with a statement, you know, uh, 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 opposing sexual uh, abuse or downloading child porn. They just kind of say, be aware of the laws of where you are. You know, it's really, as I say, it's cagey. Uh, there does exist, however, a group that I very, very much support called uh, uh, the Virtuous Pedophiles. It took me a little while to get accustomed to that name, but it, it, it's actually grown on me. Uh, for anybody interested, it's a Verped, uh, a, a Verped V-I-R-P-E-D, and any Google search will turn it up. Now, these people I can really stand behind. These are people who, who uh, are explicit. They genuinely uh, uh, acknowledge that they are sexually attracted to children. They uh, are aware and repeat and emphasize that, this, uh, uh, that uh, sexual contact with a child poses harm to that child, and they are you know, all about the protection of children, but trying to get help available to people with attractions to children in order to help you know, them manage their own sexual interest patterns. Sometimes that's just participating in a community of people who have dealt with the same problem, you know, sharing whatever, uh, 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 just feeling less alone and therefore less stressed about it. For some people, it's helping them find a, uh, find a referral, find a uh, physician or mental health uh, professional who can help them uh, – uh, 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 who can help them either with counseling or sex drive reducing medication. Mm. So a group like that, actually, those are my you know two thumbs up. I can stand behind uh, that very very squarely. Uh, but there has existed a uh, uh, there have existed and do still exist some groups who want to, as I say, lower the uh, 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 the age of consent. So therefore, they could legally have sexual contact with uh, uh, with youth of whatever you know uh, ages are legal at that point. You're so logical and they're so informative and I really don't know how anyone could argue with anything you've said on the show so far. What would you like to the main idea, theory or viewpoint to be out there on this subject from this podcast? Oh, uh, I think I, I, I always try to leave people, as I say, with my same number one, uh, uh, my same number one uh, take home message that pedophilia is not a synonym for child molestation. My heart goes out to people who are saddled with a sexual orientation pattern that they cannot change. It's the child molesters, whether they're pedophiles or not, that we have to bring uh, to the full force of the law. But mostly people need to calm down. I understand it makes perfect sense that people have extreme emotions over this issue, but those emotions are not going to help. Are not going to help. Yes. Vengeance is not the same thing as prevention. Mm-hmm. We need to take a deep breath and think if we're going to stop the actual cases of molestation from uh, from happening, and that means a rational approach to pedophilia. And what's your line? Uh, we spend more money on 
accusing. All right, we spend millions and millions of dollars a, a year on vengeance, but yeah, just pennies on prevention. To take one person, to, uh, one person in a you know a, a sexually violent uh, 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 predator uh, uh, facility is a hundred to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars per person per year. Mm-hmm. I ran you know entire sets of studies down to MRI scans for the cost of one person a, a one person in jail. If this kind of research can produce, as I said, can prevent one person, then it will have paid for itself. It is a, 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 it, it's a shame and it's a bit a disappointing thing to watch the human nature that vengeance comes so easy, mm-hmm. but preventing there being a victim in the first place, all of a sudden, you know, people's heads explode. As I say, just taking a deep breath to look at the situation is most of what we need. Thank you, James. Where can people find you online? Uh, best place is my own website, uh, jamescantor.org. Great. Thank you very, very much. I hope to have you on again for other issues and other stuff because you're a wealth of knowledge. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Talk to you soon. All right. See you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Smart Sex, Smart Love. I'm Dr. Joe Court, and you can find me on joecourt.com. That's J-O-E-K-O-R-T.com. See you next time.